0: Today is part two of our series on hearing God, and I cannot overstate how desperately I think we need to hear God, how deeply I think we yearn to hear God. I think, I think that there is a yearning within us. I think sometimes we would even describe it with, in terms of an ache where we are wanting wisdom. We're wanting clarity. We're wanting direction. We want God's best. We want to be able to discern, and perhaps the best news that I can give you today is that God wants to speak, and God is a speaking God. Uh, I believe this to the core of my being, that we serve a speaking God, who loves us and wants the best for us, although often, best will be defined differently to the way that you and I might define it, and so that does come back to an issue of trust as well, like do I actually trust God that if He speaks, it's in order for me to obey, as opposed to just being another opinion amongst a whole bunch of opinions. Now, this uh, emphasis today might not be the part that everybody wants to hear, because sometimes we want the silver bullet, we want the shortcut, we want the Jason, just tell me the magic prayer so that I can hear God on anything and everything, almost like, like we can rub the genie, right, in the bottle, and if, we've, if we rub it just right, then we'll get to hear exactly what he want, and we maybe even get, you know, three wishes, However, without a doubt, the single most significant way that God speaks to us, and therefore the single most significant way for us to actually tune our ears and our hearts into hearing God and obeying God is through His written word, the Bible. We cannot overstate just how much God uses His word the Bible to lead us, to direct us, to encourage us, to correct us. The Bible is literally the best-selling piece of literature in human history. The New York Times deliberately has to keep it off the New York Times bestseller list because it would make number one pretty much every week, and that's just boring for the world, you can imagine. We live in an age where the Bible is more available to more people in more languages than at any other moment in history. Some of you are following along with our notes. Don't get distracted and go ahead. Uh, on UVersion, the Bible app, the free Bible app, just, just an incredible story, even how that has come out of a church and how God has used them to make <clears throat> this available to so many people where the Bible is now available in 2,062 languages on the UVersion app alone. Whoa. 2,062 versions in 1,000 372 languages, completely free. Those of you that have been with us longer know that we've been connected to a project in Zambia that's been uh, translating the Bible into five previously unrecorded languages. Not, not just they don't have the Bible in language, they don't have the written word of any sort in these particular languages. Um, it is something that is so easy for us to take for granted. If we're living in a society where we have access to the internet or we have access to things like e-version, or or physical, I know some of you don't even know what this looks like anymore, but, but you actually, we used to get physical Bibles. Some people actually still read, like there's some, like Bibles, paper, right? What shouldn't be lost on us is that many, many people, countless people have literally lost their lives in trying to smuggle Bibles into areas where they're not allowed in, in, in order to try and translate the Bible. And it's not that long ago, only 500 years more or less, people were losing their lives when they were trying to translate the Bible into common everyday English, just English, let alone anything else, and where they would in some cases be, be arrested, uh, strangled, or burnt at the stake. People were willing to lay their lives down. In fact, even the early church fathers when they were trying to discern um, those writings that actually qualify as the authoritative Word of God, one of the criteria for these for these early church councils was: Am I willing to die for this book? Sure. So if they said, "Okay, we're putting Jeremiah. We 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 do we agree Jeremiah is inspired Word of God? Okay, are you willing to die for it? Yeah. Okay, Jeremiah is in. For Peter, which we studied so easily over the last several weeks. Hey guys, are you willing to die for this? I mean, it's Peter. Could it be God that actually spoke through Peter when he inspired him to write this letter? Like, they had to be willing to lay their lives down. It's also been said that it is the best-selling, least-read book of all times. So even though in America, for example, because that's generally where we have a lot more stats, 78% of Americans have a paper Bible, but only 9% would actually read it. i I'm nervous. To do a confidential survey in our church to find out just, you know, <clears throat> how often we read the Bible and whether it's digital, paper, whatever the case is, because I don't want to be discouraged. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> John Ortberg, pastor, author, <clears throat> psych- uh, PhD in psychology, by the way, said, I've never known someone leading a spiritually transformed life who had not been deeply saturated in Scripture. It may not be the most dramatic way that we encounter God as consistently as we'd like. It might not always feel like this encounter, but there is no more consistent way for us to meet with God, to hear God, to try and actually discern His will than through the Bible. Some of the ways that other authors throughout Scripture have described the Bible are as follows. The word is like a fire It burns and cleanses all that is contrary to God's holy standard. You'll see the scripture references at the bottom. The word is like a hammer. It smashes and demolishes evil. The word is like a lamp. It is an instrument of light in the darkness. I don't know about you, but I need his lamp daily. Sometimes a few times throughout the day. I'm needing God's light. I'm needing that discernment. The word is like a mirror. We read in James 1 verse 23, it offers perspective and awareness of what needs adjustment. So so as as we reflect on Scripture, we're not trying to manipulate it into what we want it to be. We are measuring our lives against what it says, and we're trying to interpret it and adjust accordingly. The Word is like milk. It nourishes those that are hungry for Christ. The Word is like seeds. It is germinating, life-producing Word, having the potential of eternal life within it. Some of you have also experienced the fact that the word is like a scalpel. It is sharper than the sharpest knife, separating things of the flesh and the spirit, where where God's word, because of His Holy Spirit, which is so kind and gracious, actually manages to separate our feelings and perhaps our human nature from that which is true, from that which God is trying to speak into our spirit. The word is like water. It is life-giving, refreshing, and a cleansing agent the word is like gold. It is a price, It is of priceless value. The Bible is an inexhaustible gold mine where one can dig out treasures forever. And those of you that have actually been trying to follow Jesus for many, many years, you know this to be true. Where there were parts of the word that, that breathed life into you as a 15-year-old or a 10-year-old or an 18-year-old and it's and it's, and and it's amazing how you continue to plumb its depths in your 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s because it's inexhaustible there is there is just layer upon layer of wisdom the word is like bread it is the food of life ever fresh and meant for daily consumption wink wink nudge nudge the word is like an anchor it holds the believer in safety Through every storm. And I've said this before, I have been with people in some of the most painful storms of their lives, and I can see those that are anchored and those that are not. I'm talking about Christians in all cases. I'm not talking about believers and unbelievers. I'm talking about people that have been anchored in God and in His Word. And the last example is that the Word is like solid food, it is strength giving food for the mature, as you continue to weight train, as you continue to face resistance training, it it continues to provide the protein that you need to build muscle and to build strength. And I have to say, this is important to note, that God's Word, so, so anything that we think God might be saying to us, any prompting, any direction, any directing of our thoughts, any sense, it'll never, ever contradict the correctly interpreted Word of God, ever. If, if, you've, if you think that God might be leading you, and it's contrary to the correct interpretation of Scripture, guess who's wrong? And by the way, we can all be wrong, yeah. which I also think we need to relax with. Like, we need to relax with the fact that maybe we, as we learn to discern God's voice, they are going, to, by sheer definition, we have to take risks in, I think that's God, I think this is His leading. And we need to be okay with making mistakes, but we're trying, and as we try, we keep discerning better, but I will never ever contradict the correctly interpreted, expressed, written word of God. We need something that is consistent, that is grounded, that is objective. Because sometimes my feelings, sometimes my feelings are deep and strong and passionate and aggressive but they don't fit into what Scripture tells about how we are to respond to something. Those of you that have been in dating relationships will know what it is to question God and His plan for sexuality because it doesn't feel like this is the best where you are trying to honor God and His plan for sexuality. When you're trying to handle your finances and steward it well, when you're you're needing to work through conflicts, when you're needing to, to make a decision as to who you partner up with in life, on, on any level, that we can have feelings that can so easily overwhelm the wisdom of Scripture, but we need that grounded, consistent, objective Word of God. I cannot begin to describe how grateful I am for the fact that the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, uses the written Word. As we just keep putting another log on the fire, as it were, as we just keep you keep reading, you keep saturating yourself, you keep, you keep trying to grow in your understanding of God's Word and God in His Word, so, so who He is through it, you will find that the Holy Spirit will bring back to memory verses that maybe didn't mean that much to you at the time, but in that moment, it's the, man, it's, it's, it's the nugget that you need. It's that, it's that clear perspective, it's that clear sign. There are so many examples that I can think back to where I I am confident that God directed my thoughts, that the Holy Spirit reminded me of passages of Scripture. I remember one of the perhaps more significant moments for me, and there have been many since then, were when as a 19-year-old, I thought that God was leading and opening the doors for me to go and study. In Australia, I've shared a little bit about this story before, but, excuse me, effectively, I I wanted to be a better volunteer. I wanted to be more effective. I felt horribly ill-equipped, and through a series of events, um, a, an opportunity presented itself to go to Australia to go and study at a ministry college. And um, on the one hand, my heart towards this was growing. It was completely contrary to my nature and to my family culture because I, I'd only just finished my 1st BCom. I felt like this is almost immoral to quit before you finish something. And go. So that's a whole other story. But, but in consultation with my family, we felt that that was the right thing for this next season. Um, and... Though certain things fell into place, the visa was not working out. I know very few people here know what it is to struggle with a visa, right? <laughs> God bless Home Affairs and all the other foreign governments. And, <clears throat> you know, it's one thing when there's a bit of a delay at the beginning, it's another thing when now time has come and gone and college has started. And it's like February. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't re-register to continue with the BCOM. My only plan was college. College has started. The first week has come and gone. The second week has come and gone. And and I remember standing outside the beachfront table view kind of close to the area where <clears throat> Premier Piatti is one night. It was I think just after eight o'clock or around eight o'clock just after church that evening. And and again I'm like wrestling over this question. God, have I missed it? Is Like, what's going on? And I felt him so clearly impress on my heart. Psalm 37 verse 4, where the, the, the version that I was aware of then was, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And in that instant, I felt like he said to me, Jason, you, you are wanting to please me. Your, your desire is to do what brings me joy. And I had this instant peace that, This was all that I felt in my heart to do. I felt like it was for the right reason, and I had a peace. And I think it was the next day or two days later that it all worked out, and I was on the plane to Australia, which began one of the toughest seasons of my life. So maybe it was just as well that God prepared me for for what was ahead. In my early 20s, trying to reconcile some of the suffering in the world, some of the pain, some some of the challenges that people were enduring and that I was enduring, I felt God... If you don't mind me using this language, like quicken to my heart. John chapter 16, verse 33, where Jesus is speaking, he says, I've told you this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. That passage alone has been an anchor for me. Like it's just settled the question of why would a good God allow bad things? No, no, in this life you will have trouble. Stop being surprised. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. This is real. It's okay. We're not in heaven yet. When Sue and I, many years ago, were considering adopting Micheline and, and we were wrestling over what all this meant and, and everything we didn't know, because at that stage, our other daughters were very young and Micheline was a teenager already. We knew, we knew enough to know that we didn't know anything of what it meant to parent a teenager. We didn't know how we would be able to afford it, like quite literally, it was, that was a huge concern for us. And again, I just felt through Matthew 6, Verse 33, God encouraged me. He said, seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and He'll give you everything you need. And I just felt like God said, said to me, Jason, if you take care of what I care about, I'll take care of what you care about. If you take care of what's eternal, I'll take care of what's temporal. And it just gave us a peace. And we needed that peace because there were challenges that came with trying to parent a teenager that had never been parented before. I remember many years ago, standing in church, um, agonizing with concern over someone I cared about who'd just been arrested and who I thought very likely to take their own lives or get raped or whatever. Like I was, I was in church, in worship, and I was just stressed over uh, this idea. And obviously, I'm thinking of passages like the following one from what I just read, Matthew six thirty-four. 34. It says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today, I'm thinking, God, am I sinning, like is it it wrong that I'm, like am I worrying, And and even at the same time, I felt like the Holy Spirit reminded me of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and how even Jesus was so stressed that his sweat was like great drops of blood, found in Luke 22, verse 43 and 44, then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him, that's Jesus, he prayed more fervently, that's Jesus, prayed more fervently, And he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. And and suddenly I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me a discernment between worry and stress. Stress is the effect that that caring about people or caring about something can actually place on you, whereas worrying is me trying to change the future by, by overthinking and overfeeling and as though I have some false sense of control over that. I felt like God gave me peace and perspective. We went through a very <clears throat> difficult time uh, with Sue's last miscarriage several years ago where it, it caused confusion for me. Not, it wasn't so much the loss of the baby as much as some stuff that I, I thought that God had actually given me perspective and had actually encouraged me. And I thought that maybe God was telling me it's gonna be a son, etc. Like, like Like there were thoughts that I had. And so when, when Sue went through quite a traumatic miscarriage, the same time we moved into this building, same time that our youngest daughter, who we fostered for eight years, moved back to her biological mother, the same time that we were trying to run a holiday club. When she went through this traumatic miscarriage, I was left confused, is the best way I can put it. And my, I, I want to understand. I want to put things together. I want to be able to at least string the dots. And it was through a very gracious, kind, patient journey that God took me on that, again, I feel like He made personal to me Philippians 4, verse seven, which says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And so, and so I tried to thank God for what I knew He had done. I literally started to write down examples of where I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that, I knew that, I knew that God had done a work in people's lives. Some of you are still here. Thank God. And as I did that, as I thanked God for, for what I knew was His hand, I did begin to experience a peace that passes understanding. I, I couldn't explain this. I was still confused. But it shifted to where I could have confidence in the confusion. I could have confidence without being able to explain it all. I didn't, To this day, I cannot resolve this. This is, this is still to this day the one situation in my life that is the weirdest just because of what I thought at the time. It's not hard because of the suffering or the disappointment. There's been plenty of that. There there was an element of the confusion that messed with me. But because of God's Word, because of God's Word, there was something for the Holy Spirit to breathe on. And it wasn't just hype. It wasn't just emotion. There was the deepest peace. And And it has shifted my life ever since then. That's about eight years ago. Ever since then, when there are situations where this, So my capacity for confusion has increased. My capacity for... Not enough. I'd like it to increase a bit more. But, but, but my ability to hold things in tension, my ability to actually, when that's happening, to actually try and prioritize God's presence more than an answer has shifted since then. God's Word is powerful. I remember many years ago, wrestling over forgiving someone, I guess. I didn't realize it at the time, but, but, but I suppose part of, that, part of it was this, and, and trying to not hold this person's past decisions against them, um, and that because their life had changed. Like they had surrendered to God since some of these choices and decisions. And I was reminded, I, I couldn't have given you the reference, but I was, I was clearly reminded of an account in Acts, chapter 10, verse 15, where God speaks to Peter and says to him, do not call anything impure that God has made clean or in the new, new Living Translation, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. God, it was like the, the mist was lifted instantly. I actually felt like i saying, how dare you call unclean what I've called clean? This person is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Guys, we need the word of God, but we have to keep sowing, 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 chewing, 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 memorizing, reflecting on putting another log on the fire, putting another log on the fire. The Bible remains the main way in which we hear God speak, whether we feel it or not. Whether we feel it or not. Now, we need wisdom in how we approach Scripture because, make no mistake, Scripture has been used to do all kinds of evils scripture was used by some people to, to support slavery to support apartheid to support the oppression of women to support the oppression of people of color people have used and mis- or misused and abused scripture for millennia so we do need to be careful that we are interpreting it correctly that we are reading it in context that we not okay, I mean people nowadays would more go looking for something um, on, perhaps on an app or online than paging through a Bible. But some of you might have heard the story of the kind of person that, that's like, God, I need a word, I need a word, I need you to speak to me. And so they kind of just Rrr, open the Bible, put it down and it opens up flat and they read in Matthew 27 verse five that he went away and hanged himself. And they're like, okay, okay, God, maybe, maybe I need something different. And so, so closes it, opens it again and reads Luke 10 verse 37. Which says, go and do likewise. <laughs> there is a place for correct interpretation. There is a place for understanding the context. So, so, so if, you read, if you read that first passage about he went and hung himself, you'll read that this is about Judas who, who was dealing with so much guilt and shame after betraying Jesus. And, and so maybe reading it in context might have actually, you might have had the Holy Spirit speak to you and say, you don't ever have to give up. You don't ever have to quit. You don't ever have to go and, and take your life. My grace is always sufficient. But, but because you're reading it out of context, or the passage about going and doing likewise is at the end of Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. So if you're going to read that in context, you might feel like it's prompting you towards your, your relationship to others and prejudices and kindness and compassion. This is called exegesis where, where, where we are being careful to interpret correctly. And the reality is that we should be able to read the Bible without having to go to seminary. A lot of the time, a lot of the time, if we just read the context, if we just read the passage that it's in, or the book in the Bible that it's in, or, or if we allow the rest of Scripture to confirm or to challenge our interpretation of what we're reading, it matters. There's a great book, if if you want to do some extra studying into this, called How to Read the Bible for All That's Worth, by Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart. Wonderful, wonderful, helpful tool that helps explain how to read different parts of the Bible, because there are parts of the Bible that are sheer narrative like it 's history and, and it 's telling you what happened, not that this should happen. so when you read of, of rape or murder it, it's just it 's giving an account of that you 're not, you're not meant to build your life on that and think, okay, that makes it okay for me to go do that, but then there are books primarily in the New Testament, like Romans and others where it is doctrine, it is theological, it is instructive, and so there is a level of obedience required in that. Or if you're reading the po- like the poetry and the and the wisdom literature, so Psalms and Proverbs, um, again there is there is a, a a caution needed that 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 we are not building doctrine on a single statement somewhere, but that we are trying to catch the heart or the or the meaning behind it. So for me personally. I recommend to people that they read the New Living Translation. There are loads of English translations, loads of great English translations. I just find the New Living Translation, for me personally, my opinion, to be the most consistently simple in the sense that it it just says it like it is. You don't have to go back and find a dictionary to interpret the King James Version, which was written 500 years ago, and a lot has changed in our language since then. I think you need a, a version that's easy to read. I think you need a plan. So for us to actually have a plan, this is when I'm going to read on these days, at these times, and maybe you're following a devotional plan. Again, Version have got tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of plans. If you, if you follow along on our notes on a Sunday, you'll see at the bottom that there are often plans recommended that are connected to, to the series we're doing. Right now, at the bottom of YouVersion, don't go look, there are some plans recommended. Yeah. Just save the notes and then Go and look at it later on. But if you're wanting to just read through the Bible for yourself, maybe maybe you want to start in one of the gospels. That's one of the first four books of the New Testament, where you first are reading the account of Jesus. Or if you've done that before and you're familiar with the Bible already, maybe you want to commit to something a little bit more systematic where you read through the Bible in one year. Or where or where maybe you even find a chronological Bible where you actually help read, helps you read through scripture as it happened. Like it's it's amazing how it can open. Open up perspective yeah. and context for us. All right, before I start wrapping up, pay attention to the screens. This is some interesting data-driven information. I have confirmed this from other sources too. Listen to what he's being said.
1: There was a recent study by the Center for Bible Engagement where they polled 40,000 uh, p- uh, general population in the U.S. from eight to 80 and they just wanted to see how we are engaging with Scripture right and they discovered something that actually became kind of the profound discovery of the entire study it, they weren't even looking for this and this is kind of became the highlight of the study right um, when we're in the scripture one time a week and that could be church on Sunday that's pastor saying you open your Bible we hear the message one time a week had negligible effect on some key areas of your life. So I'll, I'm going to spell that out more here in a moment. Two times a week, negligible effect. Now at three times a week, there was a blip on the map. Like there was a heartbeat. Something happened, again, a heartbeat. Okay. But here was the profound discovery. When we're in the scripture four times a week, it literally spikes off the chart. Alcoholism drops fifty-seven percent. Feeling spiritually stagnant. You know, if there was one area when I'm talking with people that that they'll be honest about is they just feel spiritually stagnant. Ask them the question: how much time are you spending in scripture? If they're in the scripture four times a week or more, it drops sixty percent. Wow. Viewing pornography drops sixty-one percent. That's very important. Now on a Flip positive side, sharing your faith wow. jumps 200%. Wow. Because you have a confidence in God's Word. And then discipling others jumps 230%. That's, that's amazing right there.
0: And there's plenty more research that's been done to back this up. This is not just an opinion. This is not just a recommendation. It, it actually can change your life—it's not enough for us just to agree. Yeah, sure, the Bible is good. Maybe even the Word of God. It's not even enough, as you would see, to refer to it once a week, twice a week, three times a week. There's something that happens when we allow our lives to be saturated yeah. in God's Word. One of the early church leaders, Paul the Apostle, put it this way in 2 Timothy 3:16: All Scripture is inspired by God, and He's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it. I gave you several examples in my life and there are plenty more. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. So here's the challenge. I want to urge you to consider a four by four by four challenge. To actually commit to, whether you like it or not, whether you get anything out of it or not, you don't, even have to, you don't even have to be sure that you believe the Bible or that the Bible is the Word of God over the next four months to actually read it, actually read it. Or you can listen. There are wonderful audio versions, also a new version available, four times a week for the next four months to actually commit to reading the Bible four times a week, four weeks in the month for four months. I want to suggest that if we take August, September, and October, that there are many of us that will get to the end of October and will actually sense. I, I'm not guaranteeing you that your life going to be different, but I also don't want to say you go and read the Bible four times this next week and then expect everything to be resolved. No, no, I'm saying, I'm saying there is perseverance involved. While the worship team comes on up, that's everybody because I want us to do the first song. Don't panic. Just like it that much and some people missed it. Four times a week, four weeks in the month, for four months. Sorry, that's to the end of November. I said the end of October, hey, you're very kind, not correcting me. For four months, four times a week, for four months, it's roughly 18 weeks until the end of November. Guys, I I think that we will experience something, but as we do that, I want to encourage you to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is not information. The main thing is relationship. The main thing is allowing transformation to take place. But that all of that happens through engaging with God through scripture. Jesus said this very thing to some of the religious leaders that were challenging him at the time. John 5, verse 39, he's saying to them, You search the scriptures because you think it'll give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. The scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me and receive life. Psalm 119, the longest psalm in the Bible, captures this heart as well. In verse 7, it says, "As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should." If the main thing is Jesus, if the main thing is being with him, becoming like him, doing what he would do. And that's the heart with which we are approaching reading the Bible. By the way, don't limit yourself to four times. If you if you can read it six times, seven times, eight times, 15 times, Cause you're doing it twice a day, and one day three times, like, whatever. But but I do want to challenge you not to read it less than four times. Yeah. Maybe it's a very small portion, but but I want to invite you four times a week, for four weeks a month, for four months, and who knows? Maybe just maybe you'll end this year different to any other year, where you're not just yeah. <sighs> like like scraping towards the finish line, but you're actually like. I mean, you know, you might need a break, but, but your soul is being fed, you're being strengthened, you are being encouraged.